Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. We look around the world. We see the problems that exist in the world. We have a yearning for peace. We have a yearning for comfort. We have a yearning to ease all the suffering that exists in the world. To those who are trying to serve God faithfully in this life, the thought of heaven then fills our minds. We think about heaven. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we're to be focusing on heaven. But we also want to know what heaven is going to be like. We cannot, with the eyes of flesh, see heaven. It is not a place that we can get directions to. We can't Google it or go to MapQuest and then be directed in how to find our way there. And even though we are given brief descriptions of it in God's Word, we cannot perfectly conceive of what it is going to be like. So God, in His infinite wisdom, provides other ways for us to know and understand what heaven is going to be like. So in our brief time today, I'd like to deal with that idea. What is heaven all about? The first thing we want to think about is that heaven is a place of reward. One concept that we have about God is that he is fair. We don't always understand everything that happens in life, but we do understand that a God who is fair is in control. Depending upon God's fairness and his truth, for the scriptures tell us, Titus chapter 1 verse 2, that God cannot lie. So we know that if God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. If he says he's going to give something to those who are faithful, we can depend upon receiving it. And we also recognize that if he says something is going to happen to those who reject him, we can be rest assured that it will happen. And so our God says to his faithful that heaven is going to be our reward. The word reward brings with it certain ideas. One is that of a recompense for faithful service. Heaven will not be given to those who do not serve God in faithfulness, according to his word. But reward also brings with it the idea of both equity and equality, that we're going to receive something of value as service rendered unto God. Now, in the truest sense, this is not what is going to happen, because heaven will be a far greater reward than we can possibly imagine for the brief service that we render here to God on earth. Our Lord and Savior Jesus promised that heaven would be a reward. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, in his recorded Sermon on the Mount, our Lord said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. God knows the type of life that we lead, and he is ever watching over all of us. He knows when people mistreat us, 
and so he tells us that he will take care of everything. Part of that is recognizing that heaven is going to be our reward. Just as the faithful prophets of old endured in times when the people of God refused to hear them and the people of God severely punished these prophets, they were rebuked and they were scorned for teaching God's word. And yet God's promise to them never failed. He never forgets those who serve him. Our reward will be just as the reward of those faithful prophets in heaven. Paul, the apostle, at the end of his life, while writing to the beloved disciple Timothy, described the heavenly reward as that which would also include a crown of life. In his second epistle to Timothy, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, Paul said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. But Paul didn't stop there. He went on to say, And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul speaks not only of an expected reward, but of that reward including seeing Jesus. All them also that love his appearing. Those who desire to go to heaven are to be motivated by more than just the thought of being in a different place, although that motivation is good. We're also to be motivated by the knowledge of receiving a reward and seeing our Lord and our Savior. Truly then, in thinking about heaven, it is our reward. One can say that God provides more for us in heaven than we can possibly imagine. And thus, he is more than fair in considering our service here below and eternity with him in heaven. But a second thing to think about is that heaven is a place of inheritance. Now, the concept of an inheritance is that of receiving something handed down from generation to generation, which has value that is great. In this sense, heaven truly is an inheritance, for the concept of heaven has been preached from generation to generation for thousands of years. It's something that uh, is of great and inestimable value. And as a parent, you and I would do well to teach our children and help them to gain a healthy appreciation for God and loving him and serving him that they might be part of that inheritance. The greatest gift a parent can give to their child is not simply to teach them how to serve God, but to show them through your own life the example of faithfulness in serving him. Friends, we cannot pass on our faith to our children, but we can show them what it means to be faithful as a child of God. We can pass on to them a love of Jesus, a love of our Heavenly Father, a love of the Bible, and a healthy trust upon the Word of God. We can give them the keys to understanding God's Word so that they can make the faith which was once delivered their own faith and something that is personal that no one can take from them. Having done that, we can help prepare them for heaven and the eternal inheritance. The things of this life are not made to last. They are not built to endure. 
the technology we have, the new materials that are developed year after year are incredible. And sometimes we might find ourselves watching programs on TV or the internet, documenting buildings and monuments which were built thousands of years ago. But one of the things we recognize is that they're all crumbling. Anything built by man will not last. Anything created by man will not last. And Jesus warned us about putting our trust in things that are of this world. In Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, our Lord said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is this not so? Don't we spend a good amount of time trying to make those things that we possess to last? And I understand the idea of being a good steward and, and using our resources wisely. And so whether it's our home or cars or whatever possession we have, we spend so much time and so much money trying to make it last. But in the end, when we die, it'll be left to someone else. Or while we're living, it could decay or be destroyed, sometimes by things that are out of our own hands, a fire, a flood, an earthquake, a tornado. That which is upon the earth comes from the earth, and eventually it will be corrupt because there's going to be a time when even the earth itself will be destroyed by God. The Apostle Peter was inspired to write in his second epistle, 2 Peter 3, verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also in the works that are therein shall be burned up. Peter said, the sky above, the heavens, all that has been created, everything we can see, including the earth, is someday going to be destroyed by God. It will have served its purpose in the material realm and no longer be needed. That's why we're encouraged not to think about life on earth, but to think about that which cannot be destroyed, an eternal life in heaven. Peter was also inspired to write in his first epistle, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Just as Paul mentioned that each faithful one can expect to receive a crown of life, so Peter also had been inspired to remind us that that which is incorruptible, which means it cannot become corrupt or decay, it is undefiled, is that which is going to remain in its pure and pristine state forever. It will not fade away, and it's reserved in heaven for us. Our memories of events in life flow, sweet events, sweeter people, and yet as we age, they begin to fade, and as our bodies get older, their ability begins to fade, to decay, to rust, but the promises of God are sure and steadfast and will not fade away, and he promises us that heaven is reserved as a place for us as an eternal inheritance for faithful service to him, and that brings us then to our third point. Heaven is a place of reunion. It is our future home. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he began with, Our Father, which art in heaven. Matthew 6, 9. 
In so doing, he was showing them that heaven is where our eternal Father resides, and it is where he expects us to come to be with him. When we think on earth of father and mother, we think of home. We think of the simplicity of childhood and the days of ease. We think of family reunions and getting to see relatives of years gone by and all the fun times we had with them. Heaven has all that and more. When we obeyed the gospel, believing that Jesus is the Christ, confessing him as Christ, repenting of our sins and then being baptized for the remission of those sins, God's promise was to add us to the body of Christ. The scriptures also say that we have a right at that point being in Christ to call God our Father because we are now his children, being in Jesus Christ who is his Son. We note in Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 15, it says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We are in Christ. Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, has a relationship with the Father, calling him the Father. And being in Christ, then, we have every right and every privilege to address him also as our heavenly Father. Jesus promised that heaven would be prepared as a home for the faithful. He mentioned such to his apostles in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1 through verse 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Both concepts then, heaven as a home and heaven as a place of reunion, are then mentioned by Jesus, promised by him to his apostles. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul was inspired to write, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We have a house which is not made with hands. That means it's something made by God and not man. It is not subject then to the problems that exist upon earth of decay and destruction. Paul also encouraged the Corinthians to think about it and anticipate the idea of going to heaven. He spoke of wanting to go. When we continue in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, looking at verses 6 and 7, Paul was inspired to write, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. This confidence is not built upon wishful thinking, but by the knowledge of God's word and the evidence of a faithful life. In the knowledge of all these things, we should be comforted, knowing that this life is not all that there is, and that the problems of this life one day will be a distant memory, that we have an eternal place provided for us, a heavenly home, a place of reunion. And that brings us to our final thought, thinking about heaven, that it is a place of rest. The problems that beset us in this life can certainly cause us to be worn down. Everybody deals with problems, from the rich to the powerful, to the poor to the lowly. Yet we all 
have problems, and those problems can wear us down. King David wrote in Psalm 55, verse 6, And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. You know, sometimes maybe you or I think about how wonderful it would be to be a rich and powerful person, someone who can command individuals to do their bidding. Well, David was a king, and he had riches, and he had power, and he had all the trappings that go with that. And yet at the same time, he had the problems that go with guiding and securing a nation of God's people. And sometimes it was a lot to deal with. And he desired to leave like a soaring dove to make his way to heaven, that home of eternal rest. God recognizes this desire that we have for rest. We might even suggest that it's part of his plan. For those who have fought for him in this life and live a faithful life of service to him, he promises eternal rest. Consider what John was inspired to write in Revelation 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Rest from labors. What a sweet and wonderful thought. Jesus also promises that in following him, he will provide rest. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It is the promise of our loving and kind Savior, that in serving him according to his word, we will have rest for our souls. We end with Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4, where John was inspired to write, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Yes, no tears, no sorrow, no grief, nor pain. All of the physical things passed away in God's eternal heavenly realm. He holds out heaven as reality, one that can only be experienced in the end from serving him faithfully in this life. We hope that you are planning on making heaven your home and that you've done so by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once again, thank you for listening to On Eagle's Wings.